Well, fellow Americans, it's Fourth of July, and wouldn't you know, one of the Kennedys has a kid. How about that? I'll bet the Republicans are popping their cork all over. I'll believe me, all over the all over the country. Fourth of July, one of the Kennedys. Oh boy, we talk promotion stunt. You know, uh, good evening, fellow Americans. I will award the Brass Figligee with uh, since since we're all fellow Americans. Let us let us tonight, since it's the Fourth of July, and tonight nobody is listening. That is anybody worth anybody? After all, there's a lot of strength. You know, uh, well, it's, it's very, you, you, you get very inhibited. There's a lot of people who are off tonight, Ed, who shouldn't be listening. There's a lot of people staying up tonight who shouldn't be staying up. Why don't you go to bed where you belong, fat slob? And, uh, you know, it's a terrible thing. Well, I I think, though, since it is the 4th of July tonight, we might as well stop. We might as well just admit we're all Americans. We may be bugged, but we're Americans. We We may be demonstrating. We may be getting ready to blow up the courthouse. We may be ready to burn down the city hall. But we are all Americans. You really can't escape that. No matter how many years a guy lives in Paris, he is still an American. Did you hear? Hello, hello. There, I knew you'd get. I knew you'd get it on. Did you hear? Did you hear that thing that Russ just said? The story in the TV guide about the TV actress, the one to whom acting is an agonizing experience. Huh? Have you noticed? Almost every article that they ever write is about the clown to whom laughter is an unbelievably sad experience. Oh, come on. Get it out of here. Get it out of here, Skell. I, I, I just, just want you, I, I'd like to have him do an article, uh, the, the uh, sensational inside article about an actor to whom acting is nothing. Just nothing. A big ball makes a lot of dough. Speaking, oh, that'll never get me loved. Never, never. I've got to be loved. I've got to be loved. Please love me. It's it's summertime, everyone. There's a moon hanging out there. All of you people, please, just once. Greatest lyrics by George since America the Beautiful. Listen to this. All right, hold it, hold it. What's the matter with this pair of rotten earphones? This, this studio here is strictly for newsmen. Kid stuff. You know, while we're on the subject of this, as long as we're on the subject of kid stuff, we are in tonight, for those of you who are out there, you, you can understand, you really begin to understand what a magnificent city this is when everybody's gone. This is a great, fantastically great town when about 8 million people have left it. That's the truth. Have you have you have you been out, Clyde? Haven't you? You've walked around here. What a beautiful place this is. Just there are long vistas that you never see in this city. Just nothing. You never see it in this city during ordinary days. I I never like to leave New York on a holiday. And for those of you who are you know who've run out to the island, who've gone out to those places wherever it is that people go. Where do people go anyway? They all clear out of here. Where do they go? Where do they go that's so ecstatically great? Huh? What is it? What are they doing out there? Well, I want to tell you that I'm glad you're gone. If you're out there, please stay. A long time, if you will. In fact, there were a lot of you, I hope that you don't make it back over the river or whatever it is that you've got to come back over to get back over here, you know. Because th- I'm very selfish about it. This is a, this is a wildly exciting city. Uh, and I, I, had my, I had my motorcycle out tonight. And I was coming, yeah, I was coming uptown on 6th Avenue. 
And 6th Avenue, for the benefit of those of you who don't know New York, 6th Avenue is one of the lesser hellholes of civilization, normally. Excuse the expression, it is. And uh, driving, driving the motorcycle up 6th Avenue, I'm looking uptown, and uh, it was at, a, at usually what's a fairly crucial time of the day, about 7.30 on 6th Avenue. Any time of the day, any, any day of the week on, at 7.30 on 6th Avenue is nothing. Just a lot of bumps and guys with cabs and people yelling. Well, uh, about 7.30 tonight, you could look for blocks ahead of you, and there's nothing. Just that long flow, and, and the, suddenly the street became almost majestic. Uh, it really did. It's a very, very peculiar feeling. And to those of you who are not here, stay. You just stay out there. You have fun with the bunny and the little thing you're fooling with there, that paddle that you've got and those drinkies. You go ahead and have fun. Go ahead. We've got the real thing here, and I'm glad you're gone. But the one thing I would like to also report to you is that it's still waiting here to get you when you get back. You haven't escaped from anything. I went, for those of you who got out, I drove purposely past the Time Life building, and for those of you who are daily tortured there, it's still there and waiting. I, I'm, I'm sort of the voice of doom and conscience here. It's still waiting... Uh, all those buildings are waiting. That terrible-looking one on Madison Avenue, the one that looked like it was built by the Erector Company, you know, little Erector set, it's got little bolts and nuts all over it, and it's getting sort of rusty, that modern building that they built over there, the one that got, <laughs> you know the one, that uh, seemed to come with dirty glass just built into it. Well, well, that one that one is still there and waiting for all of you poor slobs. Oh, yes, uh, you poor slobs who are figuring out there. And, and it's, just, it's just wonderful here. Now, now, Clyde, if you will sneak in behind me. Hey, Clyde, Clyde, if you'll sneak in behind me. There we go. This is the sound of New York being a summer festival when all the slobs are gone. I'm well rid of you. The slobs, stay out of here. See what you're missing? You could roll a beach ball right down 7th Avenue with your nose for blocks on end and never have a cab honk at you or yell at you. Come on, bring it up real big now. Come on, crash it over. We are now inundating the Time Life building with goodwill. Oh, there it goes. Look at that. The 666 building is tipping over. Milk and honey is flowing down Lexington Avenue. All right, come on. Cut it, cut it, Clyde. There we go. Whew, that was exciting. Uh, I, I, I'm going to have to, before we go much further into this fiasco, I will have to admit to you that, as uh, much as I hate to, that tonight I am filled with milk and honey. I am filled with the great joy, the overwhelming yeast of existence. Uh, we spend a good deal of our lives, you know, trying to cover it up, uh, trying to cover up that, that one brief moment of ecstasy that we feel as we run down the street. Just hang it up. Tell them to forget it. Those things are always buzzing here. The one thing about, about being here during a holiday, you can just hang up all the phones. Every time they ring, hang them up. Just don't mess with them. Just quit fooling around with them out there. Don't try to call us on the phone. We won't answer. And if we do, you'll get a rotten noise, which we will make. Uh, gratis, verbatim. Absolutely. Give me some more of that wonderful music there. Da, da, da. Come on, bring it up, Clyde. We don't care. Mr. Leader's a thousand miles away. Da, da, 
Bob Smith is chasing golf balls in the dark. Oh, boy. While the rats are away. Oh, boy. Or is it the miser or the cats? Or what is it who goes away? The cats? Or is it the slobs? We'll play, Dad. Very exciting music, I'll tell you. Just hold it there in abeyance, Clyde. Now, uh, tonight, uh, maybe maybe since it is uh, one of those, there's nobody here listening at all tonight. That's wonderful, too. They're all out doing whatever it is they do in those little places on Fire Island. Hey, cut it out! Cut it out now! You're going to feel rotten next Monday! Well, no, let's admit it, they're not. Nobody ever really feels rotten next Monday. They just try, all you do is spend Monday trying to figure out how you can do it again next Saturday. <laughs> Boy, I'd like to know all the things that are going on within a 50-mile radius right now at this very instant. I would really like to know what a fantastic movie that would make. Boy, oh boy, I don't know where I could play it legally. But uh, it would really be a great movie, I'll tell you that. I mean, I'd like, to, I'd like to have this little... You know, if you think Fellini can make movies, boy, you give me a 16-millimeter camera and give me about five months. I know what I'd do. I'll, I'll tell you, I, I could go around... Can you imagine right now, somehow, if, if, uh, if without their knowledge, you could film about... Oh, I'd say about 30 seconds of everything that's really going on within about a 50-mile radius around here and run it into an enormous montage with music behind it. Come on, bring it in there, Clyde. Oh, look at that shot. Oh, crying out loud. Come on, bring it up. Bring it up. Don't sneak it in now. We want great crashing waves of passion. There we go. Now, now there's a quick shot of two people having a giant fist fight by the hot dog stand at Jones Beach. Come on, bring it up. Summer and the fantastic yeast of life pouring through our veins. Hold it. You never saw me do this kind, did you, Clyde? Oh, you did. About the yeast of life? That's right. I know that. I know that. We do these things about three times a year when it is an overwhelming problem. Well, speaking of, uh, of overwhelming problems uh, and, the, and the giant yeast of life, I, I, I'm, I'm telling you now, since it is a holiday, you know, I'm, I'm giving myself a holiday right now. I don't care whether you listen or not. I really mean that now, because I'm liable just as not. In fact, I will. Go ahead. I'm, I'm liable just as not to sing. Come on, bring it on there. That's it. There you go. Let's go. Come on, bring it up now. I'm a sheik of Araby. Oh, your love, baby, belongs to me. Oh, at night when you're asleep. You want me to sing it legitimately? Into your tent of green. The stars that shine above will light our way to love. You'll rule this land with me. I'm the sheep of... That's terrible. Oh, you want me to sing it more or different ways? I have a lot of ways. I do it where I, I hit my teeth with pencils. That's a very good way. I do, I do a thing with rubber bands that I have, you know, with one, around one ear. It's very, very good. I do a thing with paper clips. Which would you prefer tonight? Huh? You just want me to sing it legit, like, Oh, Mashiach of Araby. Uh-oh. Tell him, just uh, tell him, hang up. Tell him we told you what we're going to do. Hang up. We don't need this. 
Uh, let's get on with a few of the commercials now before we go on with the rats. Uh, this is WOR, which reminds me of the rat problem. And we're here in New York. It's funny, you know, when I came in here, there were about 5,000 rats running out of 1440 Broadway. Little short gray ones. Mad. They had derby hats on. And that's uh, <laughs> true. I don't know. Is this ship sinking, Clyde? Do you feel anything? Uh, anybody got the pumps on? This is uh, 14... No, this is WOR AM and FM, New York. Almost gave a WNEW station break as a disclaimer. And uh, we'll be here until Long John takes over with all those loud people. And we have with us here the Mandarin House. Uh, speaking of... Hey, listen. If, if you are coming into New York or if you are sitting around the pad, let me recommend, without, without any reservations... Go down to 13th Street if you're going to go out for dinner sometime in the next couple of days. Go down to Mandarin House on 13th Street. They have opened up the, the garden in the back, and it is, it is beautiful. You just sit there. As a matter of fact, I suspect one day they'll make that illegal. I mean, it's just too heady. Uh, oh, yes, there are some places that you, you know that they're going to be illegal before it's over. But it's over, and you know what I'm talking about. It's on 13th Street between 6th and 7th, right in the heart of the village. And, hey, by the way, Lee, don't you believe that 13th is one of the prettiest streets in the village? It is a beautiful street. And if they get that crummy Sandy Andy out of the middle of the street there on 6th Avenue, some night I'm just going to blow that up with a hand grenade, you know? <laughs> but nevertheless, this is the Mandarin House. The food is good. They have fine drinks. They're open on the weekend, and you'll find it's a great place to go for a Sunday dinner late in the evening. Mandarin House, 13th Street between 6th and 7th. You call them before you go down, okay? And while you're on the subject there of the village, right around the corner on 6th Avenue, just off of 8th Street, is the Paper Book Gallery. If you have ever, if you've never made the village and you have, you've always been curious about the village scene, I would like to tell you, spend about five minutes in the Paper Book Gallery and you will know far more than you want to know about the village scene. Believe me, I'm telling you, this is, this is, it's just, uh, it's an impossible play, but it's, it's, uh, the paper book gallery, it's 399 6th Avenue, they have the, uh, the greatest collection of, of magazines in the city there, foreign magazines. I can't hear you, what? Willage Gordon, what does Willage Gordon mean? Now you're using all the time up there and we're doing nothing. See, we've just wasted all the time. We've killed their commercial. Now I've got to do my makeup. This is the, and, and it's going to write it up there now that, that this production staff made me go over and we'll do it. This is the paper book gallery at 399 6th Avenue and they said to sell, sell the village Gordon down there. But it's a very, very fine place to go on the weekend. You can stand around and make the scene. What are you talking about? Get over here and tell me what it is. Come on, come on, come on, come on. quick, quick, quick. quick. Get out. Give her the phone there. What, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? Yes. Oh, mention. What's that got to do with them? Mention my article in The Realist? Oh, well, I have an article in this week's Realist, and it is now on sale at the Paper Book Gallery. The only place I know in town where you can get it. Yeah. My picture's on the cover, did he say? Did he say that? I don't know. Okay. For crying out loud. I bet Ted's in there writing as fast as he can write. Now, what do we have? We have the opera promo, and uh, we have... Uh, oh, he loves that. Yeah, the Golden World of Opera will, deb will be Debussy tomorrow. Melisande. I think the Peleus and Melisande. 
That's a very shishi opera, believe me, for for a for a Fourth of July weekend. That's all I got to say. <laughs> I'm doing it all here for it tonight. <laughs> Is it okay? Fine. All right. Thank you, Ted. It's Fourth of July. We're away. <laughs> They don't know we're any different here, then. Even the FCC is out on the island, but it's all right. <laughs> we'll be here until midnight. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you, it must be summer madness. Uh, I remember, speaking of summer madness, we might as well bring the summer madness time on. One of the uh, one of the things, every time I think of summer, and I do think of summer about 90% of the time during summer, summer madness uh, is one of the most delightful elements that lives in the soul of man. You're away. Of course, they're nutty most of the time down there. That's uh, because of it, isn't it true? Because of it. Well, it's only visited upon the northern climes once a year. And when it hits, Daddy, look out. You better stand back. Uh, I don't know. Have you ever been in summer in, in, at a place where they have re- a real winter? Summer is truly a festival. Uh, there is no country in the world that digs summer more than Sweden. And Sweden has the most insane winters you ever saw in your life. And so when summertime comes, the, the people in Sweden go out of their skull. The minute summertime happens, uh, things that, uh, that you wouldn't believe man could be capable of thinking of, they do. Underwater, every place, flying, hanging on the trees, it all happens. <laughs> Just because of summer. Well, I'm going to tell you, uh, summer, summer plays a lot of tricks. D- d- one of my favorite summer stories is the Great Ice Cream War. Uh, did you ever hear of the Great Ice Cream War that swept the Midwest in the late 1930s? Well, I'm going to tell you the story of the Great Ice Cream War that swept the Midwest in the late 1930s that was directly related to this insane feeling that you get in the summertime of wanting to do it all. You know, in the summertime, you want to you want to understand everything. You want to do it all. You want to look at every girl in the world. Now you know that feeling. Do women have that feeling, Clyde? Do you think? Well, I mean about men. Really? Well, it's hard for me to believe that, but I'll have to take your word for it, because you obviously consider yourself a greater expert in the subject than I am. But be careful. <laughs> Just be careful. Don't overplay your hand. Whether or not women, during a certain period of the summertime, have an insane desire to look at every man in the world. Now, I know that, that guys, I think this is one of the reasons why beaches are so wonderful. That's spelled beaches now. Smart guy. I mean, I almost said another wild thing there. But uh, you get a desire, you get a, a sneaking feeling that you want to look at every girl in the world. And, and, and there is nothing, nothing in the world looks like a girl in summertime. With the wind blowing and everything, you know, and the light just, it's just wonderful. I can't, can't tell you any other way than that. It's just a wonderful thing. Now, you won't hear any, you won't hear any comments from Edward Albee on it, I think, but you will from Shepard. So if you stick around here, you'll get, you'll get some feelings about that. But shall I tonight, since it is now summertime, full and complete, and the, the, the feeling is there, it's genuine summer now, 
Shall I tell the story which I once told on the air, and a lot of people have written again about it. They want me to tell it again because it is a, probably the best example of summer madness I have ever known was the Great Ice Cream War. Do you want to hear that again, or do you? Do you recall that? Well, it swept the Midwest in the late 1930s and will go down, I suspect, in history eventually, the way the Whiskey Rebellion went down. Uh, various madnesses. Do you know that various madnesses over the, over the centuries have hit various cities in Europe in the summertime? Did you ever hear about the waltz madness that swept Vienna and Austria in the late 1800s? Oh, yeah. Well, the ice cream war that swept the Midwestern states in the late 1930s was a true madness, a genuine madness. Now, have you ever seen an, a, a gasoline price war? You ever have those? You don't. You see, you're looking at me blankly because you don't. You don't have those things in Jamaica. Well, in the 19, right across the river, just a few years ago, there was a gasoline price war. Now, what happened was all of a sudden, in the middle of the summer, all the gas station owners started to fight one another by by cutting the price of gasoline, which, in its own turn made the madness spread through the brains of the drivers. And before nightfall on the day of the great gasoline war over in Jersey, there were millions of drivers doing nothing but buying gasoline, which they couldn't use. They bought gasoline till it squirted out of their ears. They were selling it like eight cents a gallon. Yeah, uh, really, this is just within recent times. Well, let me tell you about the great ice cream war that hit the Midwest in the 30s. I don't know whether it ever happened out here in the East, but it was on a night just about like this, and it was round about the 4th of July. In the Midwest, around about this time of the year, most of the days are, are like twice as hot as they are here. They're also about twice as humid because of the way the neighboring ground is, the way the, the, the geography works out there, the geology at all. It's all hot, and it's steamy. Well, they hadn't discovered yet in those days DDT, so they had mosquitoes. When people got the itch, they really did get the itch. People would go out and get the itch, and they would walk around the streets in the Midwest. There's a great deal of walking that's done out there, sitting on porches and looking. That's something that isn't done as much here in the East. They don't even build porches on houses here. But people would sit on porches and look at other people across the street. And it'd be, it would be kind of twilight all the time. And you could see hanging in the middle of the, just hanging in the middle distance between one house and the other, you would see millions and millions of fireflies. The firefly is not seen much around here, is it? Well, out in the Midwest, the firefly is about as plentiful as the cockroach is here. Fireflies would just cover the whole town. You could just see all, millions of little lights going off and on, just billions of them all as far as the eye could see. And you would run you would run on a bicycle and they would catch in your hair these little tiny things that look like little under, undergrown bees. They look like little little stunted bees with, with a little lantern hanging on the back and they'd light up. We used to catch thousands of them and put them in bottles. And you'd have a whole bottle of bees, little little uh, fireflies that would be lighting up and you would hang it on the front of your bike. And that's considered a light. You know, you have a big thing. And about this time of the year, the bats would come out. And there would be thousands of bats flying around the, the streetlights, which, which were hung much higher than the streetlights around here. Real high streetlights hanging down. 
and the bats would be flittering around there, and, and around each light there would be a, a cloud, a cloud such as you could hardly see the light, a cloud of millers and moths, mosquitoes, gnats, billions of bugs, just thousands and thousands of species and great hordes of them around each light. And each light, as you would look down the street, would look like, it, like you were seeing it through rain. You know how when you look at a light through rain and it's, it seems to spread out like a star around it? Well, that's the way the lights would look with the bugs around them. And you could hear the bugs in the air, just, just a steady... Just a steady hum. And people would sit on the porches and swat. And just sit there. And you, they, they'd look across the darkness to the other people sitting on the other porch, just swatting. And they're all waiting for it to happen. Whatever it was. The war which was coming. And nobody knew, really. But it was coming. All of it was in the air, you know. And, and so there was, a, there was a terrific itch, just as there is today. I think people are like animals in one very important respect. They have a sixth sense that warns them that something wild is about to occur on a global scale. You agree with me, Eddie? And they never know it. They never put it into print. But they start living insanely. They do everything right to the hilt. Believe me, before every war in history, there has been a great wave of fist fighting, yelling, people running around the streets. Oh, yes, all over the world. Yeah, they feel it. It's in the air. Well, this is the way it was in the, in the late 1930s. I'm this kid, you see, living around with a bicycle painted apple green, and you could see the bugs and the stuff swimming around and yelling, and the, you could hear the sound of the crowd out at, out at Wrigley Field, and you could hear them yelling and booing out at Comiskey Park at nights, and, and Zeke Benura was caught one time dancing the Big Apple when he was supposed to be resting because he'd pulled a muscle. And, and Jimmy Dykes caught Zeke down there leading the Big Apple line at the Sherman Hotel, ran right out there and says, Panora, you're playing first tomorrow, and it's costing you 500 Right in the middle of the dance, nobody knew it was Benora. And then Benora turned to Dykes and said, What are you doing here? You're breaking training. <laughs> Dykes was the manager. Well, that was uh, uh, among the great repartee of the period. So you can see, you can see that the thinking was deep in those days. Well, it was it was on a night just about like this that the very beginnings. I, I think that usually what happens is that people have practiced wars. They have like dry runs before the real thing happens. It's like like play wars. They'll have play wars, little things like uh, old demonstrations are play wars, really are. They're practice wars for the for the big thing that'll come. Well, uh, it was it was just just that kind of night. Everybody is all excited, and my old man comes home. He comes home in the Graham page, and he hollers because he, he's always wherever there was anything going that was exciting. The old man was there. He comes home and he says, "We got to go downtown." <laughs> this is what's up. He says, They're selling ice cream cheap at the igloo. Well, selling ice cream cheap at the igloo. Nobody had thought about ice cream at that point. Now, I must explain to you what the igloo was. There were two places directly across the street from one another in the middle of this town, which for the purposes of argument we'll call Hammond, Indiana. Now, one place was called the igloo. Now, the igloo was just a big ice cream joint. They made their own ice cream, you know, with the machines in back. They had a couple of tables and a lot of places where you stood up and you drank these great big malts for 15 cents. They were so thick that you could stick, you know, spoons in them and forks and eat it out with great big things, you know. 
And that's, that's the kind of place the igloo was. Now, there was a place across the street that opened up that was a little more shishi. It was Borden's. It was a Borden's place. And they, they sold something called Lady Isabella ice cream, very chic ice cream. Well, the poor people went to igloo, and the rich people went to Borden's. And they were both across the street, and there was a kind of... It's just like in all wars, there was a kind of uneasy, ideological, cold peace that existed between them. The expensive stuff was on one side, the cheap stuff was on the other. And nobody said anything, but they'd look across the street to each other. You could just see it. And they were big joints. And all the cars would pull up in front of, of Borden's, you know, and these nice ladies would get out, and they'd have single-dip ice cream cones. The rich people, you know, buying single-dip ice cream cones. On the other side, a triple-dip ice cream cone was getting started. That was, you know, the poor people want a lot for their dough. Four or five balls of ice cream on top, you know, great big crumbling cones. That's what they wanted. Malts that you could bring out in the bucket, that kind of stuff. See, 12 cents, it said, with cherry, 13 cents. Well, that was the kind of scene it was. Remember, it was hot. It was the 1930s. Hitler was marching, although no one was paying much attention. The bugs were as far as the eye could see, and oh, boy, was it hot. Oh, it was so hot. It was like, oh, always 110 degrees, and people are sitting on their porches looking at each other every night, waiting for it to break out. Nobody knew what it was, but they knew they were waiting. Secretly, they knew they were waiting. And then that night came. The old man comes home and says, Igloos is selling ice cream cheap. Well, what had happened was that the Igloo people put a great big sign, like 30 feet high in whitewash, on the front of their building. It said, Triple Dip Ice Cream Cones, Nine Cents! It was a sign that yelled. Across the street, Borden's was selling polite little double dip ice cream cones for 12 cents. Well, you know, rich people are funny. They, they'll they go along up to a certain point with their class. I mean, the double-dip ice cream cone people. But up to a certain point, they will go. The next thing you know, they're up to their neck doing worse than you are doing it. Worse than I am doing it. What happened without no, no warning at all? And the entire company that was sitting in Borden's rushed across the street to Igloos. Just like that. Across the street, thousands of them ran. Well, here's this guy in the in the Borden joint. You know, he sees them all going across the igloos. All of his old customers are eating the triple dip ice for nine cents. So he runs out of the store, gets a great big pail of whitewash, an enormous brush, triple dip ice cream cones, eight cents, Lady Elizabeth ice cream. Well, all of this happens in the space of about twenty minutes. You know. Well, the guy in the igloo joint, who was a very aggressive guy, looks across the street. He says, okay. Everybody runs out. He's got his bucket before they're gone. You know, they're running across the street. By that time, the word is spreading. The war has broke out. You know, the war is starting. All over town, they're coming. That's when my old man arrived home after about the third wave. You know, it's like D plus three hours, something like that. He comes down and rushing. We jump in the car. Bruner's hanging on the back. People are running downtown. It's, it, the word is out. It's, you know, the minute war breaks out, the word is out everywhere. People start opening up canteens, they start putting hats on, they start marching, they don't have to know. So they all came tearing, and I'm sitting in the back seat, very excited. It's the first war I've ever been to. And my, yeah, oh yeah, my old man is talking, he says, an ice cream war. It's a real ice cream war, we gotta get, you got the buckets, you got the buckets in the back, you got the shovels, yeah, he's ready to go. So we get down, and we, uh, there on the street, you can see, 
thousands of cars. People are lined up for blocks in front of each place. In front of the igloo, there's a line all the way around. And you, the place is jammed. They have called out all the available force. All the girls are out, and they've got scoops. They've got the machines going full blast. The boarding place is running trucks, extra trucks from the main office downtown. They're bringing the ice cream. They've got ice, dry ice, the whole... It's like right at... It's like the Berlin War. Right there at that moment. It's like the wall has been put up. On one side is the east, and the other side is the west. Borden was pouring everything it had into it, you know, big outfit. It was pouring its heavy artillery. And the guy at the igloo place knew that he could hang on. He's going to hang in. By the time we got down, there is a big sign in front of the Borden place. It says, Triple Dip Ice Cream Cones, 7 cents. And there is a sign being painted as we're driving up. The crowds are out, the police are there, and the sign is saying, Four Dips, 6 cents. Four dips. He had four. Plop, plop, plop. Big glob of paint poured on the four. Four. Room. The people are running across the street. Old ladies are falling down. Guys are hitting their heads on the curb. Oh, they're madly screaming, yelling. It was like a wave of insane humanity. Across the street, they go to the, in front of the igloo place. He's selling cones. They're dishing them out. Kids are screaming and yelling. Guys are turning around who bought them for seven cents and are throwing them in the bushes, coming back to get a six-cent cone. Really? It's a nuttiness. They come tearing back. Th the, 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 believe me, the street is carpeted with cones, ice cream. You're walking on it. You know, Nobody cares anymore. Then suddenly you look across the street. He's got himself a can of red paint. Four dips, five cents, four, five, five cents, four. Come, come on, come on. All across the street. Over they go again. And, and I, I, we haven't even gotten near the ice cream yet. We're still standing in line. You know. Each succeeding wave drags us out into the middle of the street. And you can hear sirens, people yelling. Now he is going again. The igloo man is making his final bid. Final, 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 he writes. Four dips, three cents. Three cents, three. Great big yellow three. Well, it was, you could just see now, the, the, the crowd, the frenzy was upon him. Guys had buckets. Guys were buying them in crates, you know, and, and nobody is, you know, they're making them as fast as they can make them. The girls are screaming in there, get away. Guys are jumping over the counter, yelling. And, and the igloo man, the igloo man, now he's, 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 you can see the igloo man has got that, that, that big fat smile. He's got three cents, four dips. There is one moment of silence. The, the Borden man has gotten a teletype or something from the main office. There is a strategy meeting. You can just see nothing is happening except people are buying ice cream. There is nobody in the Borden place now. They've just swept across. There is a moment of silence. Everybody's watching. Then out of the door on the side comes the Borden man with the bucket of paint. He paints a big one cent. One cent. That's all. One big penny. One cent. Oh, 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 let's go, Bordens. They rush across. Oh, the old man is yelling. He's got a paper hat. Let's go, quick. Grab the kids. Here we go. Let's go. Oh, oh, one cent, one cent. And just at that moment, the word gets out because the man in the igloo joint has just printed a great big F. R. E. Now. Boom. Off they come screaming and yelling. Over they go yelling the waves of people going back and forth over the street. F-R-E-E, -E, two free. The Borden man is giving two away free now. Two. The igloo man is giving anything you want free. Come on in. Take it away. Take the place. Ice cream is flowing all the way to Calumet City. Little old 
It was the summer madness. About, I'll tell you what happened. About, this, this all took place about 8 or 9 o'clock in the evening. It grew to its period of fullness. The great, fulsome roundness of summer madness was struck a little after midnight. It was around the 4th of July, hot and steamy. People are getting tired. And now people are coming from the other towns. You could see license plates from Ohio. <laughs> you could see, it was spreading all over. I'm telling you, you could see Illinois plates coming into town. Guys from Kentucky, their cars covered with dust. They've traveled a thousand miles at 4,500 miles an hour. They've driven all the way up from Covington to make the scene. And people are getting tired. You know, people get tired of a war. And they are now giving away ice cream free, as much as you can carry, in both places. We have got, we have got about four quarts of banana cherry, which is the world's worst ice cream. We have got, they have been digging it out of the cellar, <laughs> stuff that they made the big experiment with two years before and have never been able to get rid of since. And we've got that stuff and we've got it in the back seat of the car. It's all over our, our, our knees. It's on our elbows. The street is littered with papers and now it's kind of petering out. People are slowly beginning to drift off, one by one. And, and, of course, the Borden guy is still beseeching. The Igloo guy is still beseeching. But people have lost interest gradually. It is now about 12.30. There's no more than 1,000 people left at, at its peak. It had hit, it really, it hit about seven to 10,000, I would say. This is not a fiction. I'm telling you the truth. They had at least 100 police out from all different precincts and from several surrounding towns. The fire department had come out, and you could see the trucks sitting down at the end, and the guys are beginning to hose down the streets, you know. Once in a while, they'd flush an old man out, holding a couple of free popsicle sticks, you know, still wanting to make the scene. He'd go, oh, and he'd go reeling out, drunk to the ears with rum raisin, you know, just staggering around, squishing. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was one of the, uh, one of the most significant and wildest nights I had ever seen in my life. But that, that then about, I'd say, about 2 o'clock in the morning, the town was all excited. You know, the whole town. And remember, this is a town of about 150,000 people. The lights are lit that hadn't been lit for years at this hour. People are talking over the old campaigns now. Now they're beginning to exchange wounds. Talks of, well, you remember the time when the guy put up the thing that said two for a nickel? Well, I'll tell you. I had just crossed the sewer, you know, in the center of the street, when this little old lady hit me going away. She had two pints of ice cream. She had a quart of cherry. She hit me and I spun. You know, everybody's talking about the, about the scene. And kids are crying. They all got gut aches now. And, and you know, people are sick all over. The, you can hear them. You can hear them. Oh, you're going all up and down the street. Oh, yes, it was terrible. Well, about, <laughs> about, about, 24 hours later, the editorials began to appear about irresponsible. <laughs> the people were out there, and, and the people were just sitting back on their porches now. About two days later, nothing but birds, nothing but the sound of humming, humming insects. And there you could see the big sign on the igloo place, right back to the normal thing. Triple dip ice cream cones, 12 cents. And across the street... Double dip ice cream cones, 15 cents. And the rich people are pulling up in front of Borden's, and the poor people are pulling up in front of Igloo's. And it went on and on and on. And just like today, they're waiting for the big war. 
They're waiting for it. It's just hanging in the air there. Whatever it is, it's there. The sound of the fireflies. Come on, bring it up there, Eddie. Let us engulf the Time Life building with great goodwill. That's enough. Boy. Well, that's the story of the Great Ice Cream War. And, uh, gee, man, I, I, uh, I sense the same feeling in the air. I really do. <laughs> I, I imagine, I'll tell you, I imagine right now, of course, of course, that was that was just before the war. So I would say we're about two years away, maybe three, before whatever it is is going to happen it actually happens. But you know, uh, there was there was as it grew up, as as the tension grew in the air. It wasn't really tension; it was a peculiar kind of suppressed excitement. As the suppressed excitement grew, the the people talked as though it was the other way around. More and more and more people talked about the fact that everything was clearing up. Because, you know, as a guy, as a guy gets nearer to making the scene, as a guy gets nearer to making the great cop-out, or whatever it is he's going to do, to assure himself that it's okay, he pretends he isn't. Oh, yeah, there's more, oh, there's more, there's more jazz going on now, more talk, more double talk, more cop-outs per square inch going on at this day and age than I saw since the days of the Great Ice Cream War. I want to tell you one more war that was very similar in content that happened at the same time. There was the great used car fiasco. Oh, yes, there was a, a used car fiasco that happened on Stony Island that is very similar. You know, used car dealers sometimes have the same attitude towards one another that ice cream guys do. Well, on, on Stony Island in Chicago, there are a thousand used car dealers that stretch as far as the eye can see. Well, one night in the middle of July, just before the war, one used car dealer got the idea. What he was going to do was to have a, a half-price sale on all cars on the lot. Half-price. $50 cars, $25. $200 cars, $100. $500 cars, $250. Well, it spread like the bubonic plague. And by nightfall, believe it or not, you could have got yourself a three-year-old Pontiac or a five-year-old Plymouth for a dollar. Guys were coming from all directions. My old man had four fistfights over one single Hudson Terraplane. Guys were fighting. Come on, bring it up. Bring it up, Eddie. Come on, bring it up there, Matt. One after the other. And this it's just rolled on and on and on like a great big old fat human bowling ball. Speaking of, a, of the human bowling ball, do you have that feeling, too? You know, a bowling ball is hard to stop when it gets rolling. When it's on the rack, it's just a big round chunk of cheese. Oh, are you aware that that one of the one of the uh, one of the real ingredients in bowling balls is cheese? Yes, sirree. I am not kidding you. I kid you not. The Borden Company, Dad, makes the cheese in which the Brunswick Balky Colony Company puts its best bowling balls out to pasture. That's the truth. Well, a bowling ball on the rack is one thing. A bowling ball coming down Alley 9 with a full head of steam about to make a cherry split is another thing, Dad. And I have a feeling that all of us, this great big bowling ball of mankind, are moving down that alley number 9 now, and we ain't going to stop till we make the world's greatest split. 
we are going to make the impossible split that all the way.